The Nightly Visitor by Mike Wood. Rain pounds on the umbrella as she etches the door forward with her hip. The wind seems determined to prevent Becca from finally pulling the cork on her hard-earned Friday Chardonnay. Holding the umbrella and bottle in one hand, shielding the report due first thing Monday in the other, the battle continues until her heel lodges deep in a crack just as the wind gives, allowing the door to jolt forward, causing her to lose balance. She gasps as all 126 pounds come crashing down upon the bottle she has looked forward to all week. Becca lifts her arm to reveal shards of glass protruding from her forearm, only visible with the light of flashes in the sky. Unsure whether blood or wine is streaming toward the overdue report, she fumbles for the keys, losing no time as she races for the door. As she approaches the house, the headlights shut off. Total darkness reveals that the motion light has abandoned her as well. Slamming the drenched report on the island, she lunges to the sink. In an attempt to assess the damage in the dark, Becca reaches for her paper towel. But as she yanks at the towel, it causes the entire roll to fall from the holder, disappearing into the darkness. Searching for a light source, she reaches into her jacket pocket, pulling out a cell phone. The center of the screen is flashing low battery. Already sure of the outcome, Becca flips the light switch multiple times, only confirming that the storm had taken her chance at an evening of binge-watching her newly found show, Lost in Love, she had started on last Friday night. Crawling on the floor, her phone's flashlight consumed the last 2% of battery she had, leaving her completely in the dark. In a rare turn of the day's events, she raises a roll of paper towels symbolizing a small victory in the long line of this week's failures. Focusing on her arm proves difficult as the blistering wind yells aloud, slamming tree branches against the roof and windows. Becca, now holding the paper towels on her forearm, able to stand still for a second, suddenly takes notice of the eerie atmosphere she calls home. Darkness follows brief flashes of lightning. She searches for her matches to light one of the many candles her co-workers have given her as pity gifts over the years. The search comes to an abrupt halt as a shadowy figure streaks across the window, her hair now standing on her neck. Becca's eyes locked to the window. She stands perfectly still, paralyzed with fear. The sound of the whistling wind and pounding tree limbs intensify as she searches the dark with her ears. A sudden change in temperature causes Becca to shiver. A light breeze from behind. She turns to the door just as it crashes against the wall. She takes notice of her keys dangling from the deadbolt. Becca cowers down, slowly gazing around as she cautiously inches towards the unknown. Reaching the door, a sneaky peek down each side of the house as she pulls the keys from the lock. Closing the door slowly as not to be heard. She flips the deadbolt and slides the chain on the door. She turns to a perfectly still shadow standing across the room from her. Who are you? She yells, but no answer. The figure doesn't move. A flash in the shadow ducks away. Becca whimpering now. Who are you? Please! The figure raises up closer and moving toward her. Becca runs out the door. She jumps in her truck, locking the doors. She jumps to the passenger side, fumbling with the lock. She looks to the house in search of the shadowy figure pursuing her, but there is no one there. The dark void of the front door quickly fills as the door slams violently. Becca, searching her pocket, stares hopelessly to the front of the house. Fear overcomes her as the door begins to open slowly. The figure of a man takes place on the threshold. Turning to the truck, he reveals the keys that she had left on the counter. Pointing the keys toward the truck, he pushes the remote. The door locks jump, causing her to freeze in place, anticipating what might come next. Without moving past the threshold, he points the remote again. The locks slam back down. The figure turns away, disappears in the darkness. She remains frozen in place, just staring at the doorway until moments later. The figure returns to the threshold and steps out. Becca begins screaming and lying on the horn. She flickers the lights on and off. A flash reveals the man stopping in his tracks as the neighbor yells out. Becca, you alright? She yells, help, help, help me please! Turning back to the door of her home, the stranger again vanishes in the shadows. 
The neighbor rushes over carrying an umbrella in one hand and a flashlight in the other. He walks to the truck. What's all the commotion about? Becca opens the door. Oh, Sam, thank God. There's a man in my house. Sam asks, who is it? As Becca steps out of the truck, she answers, I don't know. He just showed up. Sam shines the light to the house. What did he say? He hasn't said a word. He just stands there, she replies. Sam pushes the truck door. You sit right here and lock the door. I'll go check it out. Becca cries, Sam, be careful. Sam gets to the door and turns the handle. He pushes the door open, shining the light throughout the house. He steps inside out of Becca's sight, a light beam shining through the house, crossing each window. All seems calm until suddenly the light streaks quickly turn to the left and then streaks to the right. The light flashes around violently throughout the house until it goes out completely. Becca nervously awaits Sam's return, her body hovering above the seat as she pushes down. A figure comes to the doorway. Not taking her eyes away, Becca turns to grab the door handle. She pulls the handle, yelling for Sam. The figure stops, points the remote at the truck, and slams the locks back down. The figure turns, disappearing in the darkness. Something slams out on the top of the truck. A large tree limb has fallen, completely covering the truck with limbs and leaves, completely obstructing her view from the door. She scampers around and attempts to see the door through any opening that may be present from another angle. As she searches, the sound of another crack from above sends a tree limb through the window, pinning her arm against the seat. Through the pane, a movement catches her eyes. She now has a line of sight at the door where the figure is standing at the threshold, pointing the remote towards her. The locks click, then click again and again. The figure begins to walk towards her. She begins to wiggle around, attempting to free herself. She can't make out a face, only the white outline of a face with deep black eyes, a mask of some sort. He stands at the broken window, just staring at her as if he knows her. He suddenly reaches into the truck. She screams as his hand gets closer, grabbing the limb that's pinning her to the seat, pulling it away with ease. She scampers away from him, pushing with her feet against the steering wheel, putting as much room between herself and the figure as possible. The arm pulls back slowly. Once outside the truck, the figure turns toward the door. He points the remote over his shoulder and clicks the locks. Becca, ensuring the figure is out of sight, jumps out of the truck. She takes off down the road, dodging the debris flying past her carried by the wind. She stops at the crossroad. To the right, a car with lights on and smoke emitting from the exhaust is parked to the side. Approaching the car, she turns to see the figure standing on the threshold staring at her. It turns, heading back into the house. She beats on the window of the car. The lady inside is thumbing through a purse. Lifting a cigarette to her mouth, the lady looks at Becca and lowers the window. What's up, sugar? She says in a deep smoker's tone, bouncing up and down, looking to the door and then back. Becca whimpers to the lady. There's a man in my house. Can you call the police, please? She waits with the spoken lady by the car, never taking her eyes off the door of the home. The police race up the drive and enter the house with guns drawn. She waits patiently to see the man. After a few minutes, the officers emerge empty-handed. She walks over to them, introducing herself as the owner who called them. The officer looks to her. Ma'am, there's no one inside your home. Becca, knowing that she never took her eyes off the door, says to him, But John, John went in there and never came out. He has to be in there. Did you look everywhere? The officer shines his light into her eyes and asks, Ma'am, have you had too much to drink tonight? It looks as though you've been through some dramatic events this evening. An ambulance is on his way to check you out. Becca sighs, pointing to the house across the street. But Sam, please go find him. He lives over there. The officer walks across the street as Becca watched. He knocks on the door, but no answer. As he returns, he's talking into the radio. I need medical attention to this site, please, ASAP. The officer stands with Becca as the ambulance pulls down the drive. Once they have her on the gurney, they lift her in. She cries out to the officer. What about Sam? Did you find him? 
He replies to her as he hands her the keys. We're still looking, ma'am. You go with them. We will search your place and lock up afterwards. Becca's eyes grow large as she looks at the keys in horror. Where did you get those? He had them. As she turns to walk away, he says, They were in the deadbolt, ma'am. On that Sunday, Becca's mother picked her up from the hospital. Her mom asked, Are you going to be all right staying in the house all alone? Your dad took the truck over to Fred's to straighten out the top. Becca looks to her. The police said no one was there. They checked it out. I'm going to have my locks changed when I get there, so I should be fine. I have a ton of work to get done. Your father already changed them. I have your keys in my purse. They pull in the drive. Her mother helps her to the door. As Becca accepts the keys from her mother, she says, I got it, Mom. Thank you. You guys have done so much. Tell Daddy I love him. I'll call you later. Becca enters the house, turns, and locks all three of the locks on the door. She walks through the entire house, checking each room as she went. In the kitchen, she prepares a sandwich. Sitting on the sofa in the distance, she hears a faint scraping sound from up high. She searches each room before passing it off as the wind. She spends the evening working on the bloodstain report due tomorrow before changing the bandage on her arm. Lying down in the bed, Becca takes notice of the silence. Just as she dozes off, a thud comes from the ceiling. Becca pulls the cover to her face, holds the pose, waiting for another sound, but it doesn't come. She relaxes, then reaches for her phone on the nightstand to check the time. Letting her guard down, she nestles into her pillow. The medicine allows her to doze off quickly. She wakes suddenly to a sound of scraping from down the hall. Becca reaches for her phone from the nightstand and follows the light down the hall. She enters the living room and checks that the door locks are secure. On the way back to the master bedroom, she opens the doors of the unused rooms, looking inside. She plugs her phone into the charger on the nightstand before falling fast asleep. Hours later, a thud from the ceiling wakes her. Becca races to the nightstand to grab the phone, but it isn't there. Another thud from the ceiling causes her to look up where she notices a small hole over her bed. She reaches under the bed to reveal the charger plug in, but no phone. Another thud from above. She cowers as she looks to the hole. Jumping up, Becca rushes to the kitchen, taking a long knife from the drawer, hiding behind the knife as she walks quietly to the hall. She pulls the rope hanging connected to the attic stairs, watching the opening closely as they fold out to the floor. Slowly without noise, she makes her way step by step up the stairs with the knife in the lead. Reaching the top, she flips the light switch to reveal the only thing in the attic is packing boxes in the corner. Sudden chills tingle down her spine. She looks down the stairs, then back to the empty attic before racing down. As Becca enters the master bedroom, she notices her phone sitting next to the lamp on the nightstand. She looks around the room slowly, walks to the closet holding the knife out. She opens the door, pushing the knife into her clothes. She turns her attention to underneath the bed. Leaning down, she sees her slippers on the other side. Slipping the slippers on, she makes one more round around the house before going back to bed. Just before she drifts off to sleep, another sound from the attic. She looks up to the hole. It seemed to have changed from black to a light gray as her eyes adjusted. She flips on the light to reveal dust on her covers as though it had fallen from the hole. Becca looks back to the hole. As she does, something moves from above. She trembles and slowly, without alarm, puts her slippers on and reaches for the cell phone. But it's not there. Once out of sight of the hole, she races back to the kitchen, grabbing the knife. Becca races up the attic stairs. As she pulls on the rope, she hears something scurry from above. Flipping on the light to reveal the lonely packing boxes but no movement. She studied the attic closely before heading down. Becca pretends to go back to bed, placing pillows in her place and covering them to look as though she was there. She raced to a hiding spot across the hall. Several minutes later, a sound from above. She watches the bed intently. Dust falls from the hole on the spot she'd be lying. Slowly from down the hall, the stairs slowly creep down. A shadowy figure appears from the darkness, every move with the intention of being silent. Continuing down the hall, the figure stops at her bedroom door. 
For the next numerous hours, it just stands there. She watches the figure as the figure watches what he thinks is her. Suddenly, the figure creeps to her bedside, revealing the cell phone, placing it back on the nightstand. The figure walks to the side of the bed, made to look like Becca, flings the covers back, grabs the pillow, and throws it across the room. Becca yelps, drawing the attention of the figure. He rushes toward her, grabs her by her hair, and drags her to the bed. He throws her to the spot she normally lay, grabs the cover, and throws them on top of her. The figure then returns to the door, turns, stands perfectly still, watching her. The phone alarm starts to vibrate, signaling her usual Monday morning routine. The figure turns and heads back to the attic, pulling the stairs up behind him. She dresses like a typical Monday morning, makes her lunch, and heads out the door. She darts off down the street before dialing 911 and reporting the figure in her home. The same police officer meets her at the corner. She describes the events of last night to him. As they make a round through the house, she points to the hole in the ceiling over the bed. The officer draws his weapon and slowly inches his way to the attic stairs. She stands below, watching as he disappears into the darkness. He calls to her. I don't see anything, ma'am. Becca starts up the stairs following his call. As she tops the stairs, the officer's gun goes off. She scrambles. Her eyes race to the scene of him being dragged behind a stack of boxes just out of the line of sight. Becca darts down the stairs. Just as she gets to the bottom step, the figure reaches down, grabbing her hair. Her feet leave the ground as she's hoisted into the attic. As they reach the top, she is dragged and thrown to the boxes that conceal the officer. He walks a few feet away, turns, and just stares at her. The stairs seemed to go on for hours before she finally spoke. What do you want with me? No answer. Only a head tilt from the figure. Are you going to kill me? Again, only a head tilt, as if it didn't understand. Becca turns to crawl away on her hands and knees, but it quickly picked her up by her hair again and throws her back to the boxes. She screams as she sees Sam's face looking back at her from the insulation. The figure grabs her again, throwing to a different spot by the boxes. A knock at the door. The figure stands still. Another set of knocks. The figure looks toward the noise and then back to Becca. The sound of a door being kicked in. She looks to the figure, but he's gone. She races down the stairs, screaming to the new officer at the scene. Help! Help up here! Pointing to the attic stairs. The officer takes off up the stairs when he sees a fellow officer laying behind the boxes. He pulls his gun and turns just as Becca comes up behind him. He puts his hand up to her and says, Stay back, ma'am. Here, get behind me. He rushes ahead of her, getting between her and the attic stairs. He looks down, searching both directions before looking back at Becca. As he looks back, Becca stabs the man in the throat once, then again until he stops moving. She drags him to the spot behind the boxes. Becca wakes in the middle of the night in a solitude jail cell. She stares at a hole in the ceiling. A dark eye looks through the hole. The eye blinks. Becca smiles as she rolls to the side, safe as if someone is watching over her.